welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends. Ah, what a fun time this is going to be. I sound so fun. All right. So. I'm sure a lot of you know, um, but this semester we've been going through the book of Ephesians. Um, we've already gone through a lot of the book so far. Um, Paul wrote this letter. He wrote this letter to um, the church in Ephesus while he was imprisoned in Rome. And uh, he kind of was letting the people know um, in Ephesus just kind of the truth of God's powerful work that he did through Christ, through his son, um, and then just uh, a lot of what unity looks like um, once we are in Christ. So the first three chapters specifically, we kind of been using the saying um, that those three chapters explain how we are saved in light of how we've lived. So basically the first three chapters we've been looking at the gospel. Um, we started in Ephesians 2, or we started in Ephesians 1, but in going through it we got to Ephesians 2, um, and we saw uh, humanity's nature. Uh, Ephesians 2 said that we were dead in our trespasses. Um, we were following the course of this world. We lived out the passions of our flesh and carried out the desires of our body, and we were by nature children of wrath. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you know this, but when looking at those words, children just means you're the product of, you're the offspring of, and wrath are just violent passions, anger, vengeance. So that is what we are the product of. That is all we know, and that is who we are um, as mankind. And so that sin in us um, separated us from God in every way, shape, or form. And we rather just pursue that sin, pursue satisfying ourselves, um, and not glorify the Lord in any way. Um, however, when you keep going in Ephesians 2, you see in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, and I'll just read it because it sounds so beautiful. Um, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and then raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this is it. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus did. He saw our true nature. He saw that we brought literally nothing to the table of any worth or value. Uh, and he said, I want to show them grace, and I want to show them mercy, and I want to forgive them and love them to the fullest extent by dying for them so that they don't have to so that they can be with God. And so, we moved from chapters 1 through 3 and turned into 4 through 6, where we're kind of looking at uh, how do we live in that unity? How do we live in Christ together as believers? And so tonight, we have landed in chapter 5. And so tonight, we're going to kind of look at that unity and what that means um, in terms of walking in love. So, let's get going. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So, in looking at that therefore, we kind of ended in chapter 4 talking about forgiveness and how we need to be forgiving to others. Uh, and so, God is saying, this way to do this is going to be by imitating God. That's what forgiving others will ultimately look like, imitating God. Um, when we look at the word imitate, that just means that you're following someone. You're modeling your actions after someone. 
And specifically here, we are modeling our actions after God alone um, as believers. And so what's also neat about that is it says, therefore, as imitator, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, which is super key because we cannot imitate God if we are not in a relationship with him. Being his beloved child means he is our father and we're um, his children. And so uh, growing up, a lot of times when looking at like pictures of uh, my mom growing up, people would say, oh, you look just alike. You look just like her. And I thought that was kind of cool. It's fun to like resemble another person, especially somebody that's so close to you, that's your mom. Um, But then also sometimes growing up, uh, me and my dad have a lot in common, uh, a lot of ornery personalities (laughs) in how we act. And so sometimes my mom would come up to me and she'd say, you're just like your father, (laughs) which I'm sure these are things all of you have heard. At some point in your life, somebody has told you, you are just like your mom or you're just like your dad for A, B, C, D reason. And it only makes sense because you literally have their DNA. You are around them 24-7 growing up and you just start imitating how they act, how they talk, how they think. You literally just are like them. And so that's the idea. God is our Father, and we are now in a relationship with Him, and we are to be thinking, doing, acting, saying everything that is like Him, because we're just rubbing off on Him in that way. Um, And so, imitating God sounds like the massivest task you could ever take on in your entire life. I know, good word, massivest. English, I did not get a degree in English. Um, It sounds like a very large task, a very overwhelming task, um, because we recognize that God is crazy, crazy big, and has a lot of wonderful qualities. Um, But we see in verse 2 that he explains practically what that looks like. And so it says, and we walk in love. Love. We're going to dwell on that word for a minute, because I think it's super important. Um, Because if we don't understand what God's love is, we're going to fail tremendously in imitating it every day. So, and kind of going back to the gospel and looking throughout all of scripture, we see that mankind apart from God does not know love at all. We are children, we're children of wrath. Nothing about our nature is love. Um, in 1 John 4, 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. So love only comes from God. And it says, And whoever loves has been born of God. So if you are in a relationship with God, you will love. Um, and then, and you know God. In verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, um, because God is love. So if you do not know God, if you are not in a relationship with God, you cannot love I know there are tons of people out there in the world who are unbelievers who would argue to differ that they can love someone, but scripture says if you do not know God, you can't actually love. It's an attribute, an attribute that is only with God. First um, John four nineteen, we love, that we is referencing believers, we love because he first loved us, because he first chose to love us, and so we got to know that love, and then we could imitate it. When we were not in a relationship with God as believers, we, we, had nothing, we knew nothing about love. Um, so this Greek word here is what? Agape. Good job, Josh. Um, it just means affection, goodwill, benevolence, brotherly love. It's a love that is only attributed um, from God. And also it's not some kind of weird 
fairy tale love where people think God is a genie in the sky and sits on clouds and has rainbows around him and he's so peaceful. Um, the love that is from God we see explained explicitly in the rest of Ephesians 2. It says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So when we think of the word love, true, actual love that God asks us to imitate, we see that in Christ and what he did for us on the cross, and that's it. That's the only definition we're ever going to be given in Scripture of what true love actually looks like is Christ. He saw our complete brokenness, um, how we had nothing to offer him, and he chose to show us grace, mercy, and forgiveness and die on the cross for our sins and blessed us beyond belief with that. And so that's love, and that's what we're called to imitate and nothing else, Christ and Christ alone. And so when we read the rest of Ephesians, we see a lot of very explicit things that are very unloving, things that we are called to not do. Um, So verse 3, it says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetedness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. So again, None of these things are to be named among us because they are the opposite of loving. They are not an imitation of God and his character. Um, and then we even see certain words uh, like sexual immorality, impurity, um, that filthiness, crude joking. Um, these actually are really specific words that have um, connotation that are rooted in lustful desires, seeking to just satisfy yourself um, sexually in whatever way you want to do that. Um, and so... It's really, um, really sad, but it's also an honest reality that the world would actually tell you that having sex, doing that equates to love. In any movie you try to turn on, in any book you try to read, in any song you're going to listen to, the message will be, sex is love. Um, and it's a really, really sad state um, because we see in Scripture that Sex outside of God's design is actually a very, very selfish thing, a selfish desire. Um, And so it's super, super important that as believers, we recognize what is lie and what is truth. Um, And we recognize that Jesus Christ alone is love. And and pursuing any type of uh, sexual immorality outside of God's design is going to be a very unloving thing we could do to a way we could treat another person. Um, like I said a minute ago, kind of like I said, but Thursday and Friday on our campus, uh, we had a lot of protest. It was pretty intense. And it's so crazy to me to sit back and think that we had the LGBT community, we had Black Lives Matter, we had those street preachers, and then all bunch of other types of random people and groups and every single person was out there just shouting that they knew love, that they knew what love was. Um, and it was so heartbreaking because so many of those definitions were wrong. Literally, Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross is, is the only thing that we see as being love. And so, in following the rest of verse 4, we see it says, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. So the way that we're going to combat all of these sinful natures, sinful desires, is literally to just be thankful that we know what true love is, that we know it because God loved us, and we experience so many blessings through him for that. Then verse 5 
So, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So as believers, yes, we will struggle. We are still living in the flesh. That is the reality of this world and the curse that it is under because of sin. Um, But if we are truly a child of God, we will not walk this way because we have been transformed and we know what love is and we will be so disgusted with everything that the world has to offer because it's so unsatisfying and isn't ever going to be love. And it will never fulfill us like Christ's love has fulfilled us. Um, So verse 7 It says, therefore, don't even become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So yeah, at one point we were in darkness. And we did not know love. But now we are in Christ and we know God's love. And so we are called to walk in that light. And to pursue it and be producing fruit. Um... Y'all are really smart, so y'all probably know a lot of things. But light and darkness actually will not, co- like they can't mesh together. You either have light or you have darkness. You can even light a lamp in a dark room, but you will visibly see there is the light over there with that lamp, and the rest of the room is dark. So our actions will either be us walking in light or us walking in darkness. It's very, gonna be, it's very clear um, of those things, and so we need to be choosing to pursue the Lord and walking in light. Um, and this term, when it says uh, walking as children of light, and then even up above when it says walk in love, those are, um, a, it's a very active verb. It means you're intentionally like looking to do that. You're making one's way. You're progressing that way, making use of opportunities. Um, and so like even when we see in scripture, Jesus intentionally chose to love people. He chose to wash the disciples' feet. The disciples didn't like sit down on the chair and kick their feet up and say, Jesus, if you would wash my feet, that'd be great. Jesus chose to do that. When there was 5,000 people listening to his sermon, the disciples said, we're going to have to send them home. We can't feed these people. And Jesus said, no, I want to choose to love them and feed them, so we're going to have them stay. Um, And then literally, even to the point on the cross, We did not ever, no one was standing around Jesus saying, Jesus, you should die for us. That's a good idea. Jesus chose to go do that. He was actively going to love us. And so when we're called to do that, we need to actively seek to love others. We can't just sit here and think, Lord, when you send someone my way, walking by my path, I will surely love them. But until you send somebody, I'm probably just going to sit here and do what I want. We have to be seeking opportunities to love others with every interaction we have with people. So, verse 11. It says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Uh, And so that word expose up in verse 11 just means to admonish, to warn, to reprimand, tell a fault, rebuke. Uh, And so in this Christian community that we have, it's actually a very loving thing to do when we are helping each other walk closely with the Lord by exposing sin and just saying, hey friend, this is darkness that you're walking in, that you're pursuing. Um, We need to turn away from that 
and start imitating the Lord again. And we need to start walking in light. Um, because we see in Scripture, in John 3, that as humans, we actually love the darkness. And if we had a choice of our own to pursue light or darkness, darkness. <laughs> That's so funny. If we had a choice to pursue light or darkness, Scripture says every situation we're choosing darkness without shadow of a doubt. Like, nothing in us compels us to want to go to the light. It says in John 3 that we're just going to keep running toward the darkness. So if we don't have our friends around us that are believers close to us, with the Holy Spirit in them, calling us back to that light. So that's God himself in other people around us, calling us back to the light. We literally are not going to make it there alone. So that's even just another way that the Lord is loving us so kindly when he puts us in Christian community um, to be walking through life together. Um... Verse 15. So it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. And therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so, especially right there at the end of verse 15, or 18, we know that imitating God cannot be done apart from the Holy Spirit in any way, shape, or form. Um, Hebrews 10, 15 through 16 says, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their heart and write them on their minds. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. He is God himself inside of us, teaching us these laws. They're written on our hearts, in our minds, as soon as you become a believer. Um, yes, we're constantly growing in our faith and growing in what it looks like to know God, but the Holy Spirit inside of us isn't growing to be more like God. The Holy Spirit is 100% fully God inside of you, ready to go, ready to work, ready to help you walk in light. And so the only thing stopping us from walking in that light is our flesh and our selfish desires. And so, man, we got to press into that Holy Spirit inside of us. We need to be filling our mind with God's word alone um, to help us know what that looks like, to be walking wise, to be making the best use of our time um, in that. And in Ephesians chapter 3, I have become very, very fond of these verses. In Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 21, Paul prays for the people in Ephesus, and he prays, specifically, that they will know God's love. Through the Holy Spirit working in them, he prays that they will understand what God's love is so that they can truly, honestly imitate it if we know it that well. And so, man, just in the middle of all the things, I want to encourage you so much to pray that prayer, to pray that God would reveal what his love is to you and for you as a child of God so that you can grow in his faith. Um, but then I also say that prayer with a warning, um, because that, if you seriously understand what that means, and you seriously pray that to the Lord, he's going to wreck your world. He is going to show you that Jesus Christ, walking down the road to go put the cross in the ground and hang on it and die for us, carrying that away, full submission, fully knowing he's only doing this because he loves us, that that really is what love looks like, to be to have that much desire to care for another person and to love God and honor God and glorify God. 
Um, and so when you understand how much love he has for you, like it will radically transform your actions in so many ways. And so if you really pray this and really mean it, like it's going to wreck you because it's going to show you that you're naturally not loving. And it's a hard, that's a hard truth. Um, so we will keep going. Yeah. Man, my notes are fun to read. Verse 19. <laughs> Um, it says addressing, uh, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is a debauchery, but filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that is a really good command to end on. Submission. Um, Submit to one another out of fear for the Lord. Uh, submit means we are to obey them, to be under someone else. Um, and again, this is a very active word. We have to actually go and do it and act on that and be submissive. Um, and so it doesn't mean that we're like completely 100% agreeing with this person and all their ideas and what they say. We want to be best friends. And every Friday we're going to go get ice cream together because we just have such a great bond. Um, submission means that we just obey someone because we recognize that God has placed them in our life and have placed them um, over us and we are under their authority. Um, currently, I'm reading through the Bible in a year and I have the wonderful, wonderful privilege of being in 2 Samuel. So I just finished 1 Samuel and me, oh my, I did not understand that David was so submissive. Um, he was promised by the Lord, that he was going to get to be king. But at the time, there was a king named Saul, and he was not the best king. He did not honor the Lord um, in any way. And he was actually really jealous of David because he saw that David was following what the Lord said, and David was being liked by everyone, and David was being blessed by the Lord. So Saul said, you know what? I'll probably just go kill him. So Saul pursues to... Um, Try to keep killing David. I mean, he's just chasing David everywhere. David's a fugitive. David's running around in caves in the wilderness trying to hide from Saul. And so one day, Saul decides that he's going to go chill in this cave to go to the bathroom. Very polite of him. And David was actually, this is a great story. You're really going to have to read it. It's in 1 Samuel. Uh, he, David's hiding in the cave with his men. It's just so entertaining. In my head, visioning it. Uh, he was already in the cave, and he didn't know he was in the cave, but he's in there chilling, going to the bathroom, and David's friends say, David, dude, look at what's, he's right here. Like, he doesn't know. This is it. God told you you were going to be king? Go kill him. Like, seriously, this is it. Like, beautiful. This is the moment. So David walks over there, and he's like, got it. Got my knife out. We're going to do it. And he goes to kill him, and the whole, God convicts him and says, you cannot kill him. It's not the time. So he doesn't. But he cuts his robe and takes the robe. So Saul does what Saul does, and then leaves the cave. <laughs> it's so funny. And then David now goes to find Saul to tell him what's happened. And it also cracks me up, because if this was nowadays, like, you would not, if you were running from someone that's trying to kill you, you wouldn't run to them to tell them something. You would, like, weirdly call them or email them or something from a distance. But Saul follows him and stands on the cliff and shouts, dude, you, <laughs> you don't understand. Like, I was chilling in here. I have this robe to prove it. And I chose not to kill you. Not because 
I don't understand that you're trying to kill me or I, you know, want to be your friend, but I understand that God himself has placed you over me, that you are actually the king of Israel right now, and if I killed you, I would be defying the order that God has placed, and so I cannot kill you. But I want you to know that I had the right, and I didn't, because I fear God, and I know that I need to submit to him above all things. So he didn't, and Saul was pretty torn up by that and thought, dang, Ah, that's a true man of God right there because he really should have killed me when he had the opportunity. Um, and we see that the Lord was so faithful to David and allowed him to be the king in God's timing. Um, but as ultimately as submissive as David was, no one's been ever more submissive than Jesus Christ in going to the cross and dying on the cross for our sins. And again, Jesus Christ is the epitome of love and that is what we should be imitating, that kind of submission. And his submission is a really hard word and we want to run from it in every way. Um, but that's what God calls us to do. And so, that's pretty much all my notes, all the things I have. Um, so, there's a couple questions that you can kind of think through with your connect groups tonight. Um, talk about what God's love really is and what does that look like to imitate that. Um, I know that we hear that we hear the word love and it's defined by the world in a million different ways and it's so hard to fight those lies unless we know what the gospel is and what God's word says about um, love and then uh, be really honest about your life and are you walking in light or are you walking in darkness in places Um, and then man are there other people in your life that you need to be submissive to Um, because at the end of the day in my mind, thinking about submission, it really just means that you recognize that God is so sovereign in every way, and he has put you in the place that he has put you, and he has put the people in your life over you that he has put, and you respect God, and you know that God will work it out for your good, and you're going to honor him where you're at, even, even though it's hard. So, I'm going to pray for us, send us with that, and then y'all can break up and head into your groups about all the things. Father, uh, we praise you so much for Jesus Christ and what he is for us on the cross. We thank you so much that we literally know nothing about love. Um, We're never loving to you in any way. And you said, I want to love them and I'm going to choose to love them. I'm going to send my son um, for them and to bring us into that right relationship with you. And so we thank you for that truth. Um, God, I just pray that we would just dive into what it looks like to imitate you and to know the love that Christ has for us because it is so deep and it is so rich and it is so good and we'll spend the rest of our lives trying to figure it out we'll never get to the bottom of it Um, but it will really change us for good if we do so I pray that you will help us to do that Um, I just thank you for everyone here and I thank you for connect groups and the opportunity to keep